Hi guys, it's Tara and EJ Kerwin with our Relationship Renovation Podcast. Today we feel super grateful and appreciative to have Jamie and Brian on with us. They are a couple that went through our program a few years ago and they, you know, were brave enough to be here today to share their story and and help some other couples really normalize certain things that happen in relationships and when we go through challenging times. Absolutely. Well, hello, Jamie. Hello, Brian. How are you guys doing today? Good. Yeah, really good. Thanks for, thanks for inviting us. And we're, I think we're both excited to support you guys and Thank you. If we can provide a little help to somebody out there, then that's a plus. Excellent. Well, I mean, you know, we, I think always a good launching point is just, I mean, tell us a little bit of, about your, yourselves, about you as individuals, and, and maybe just a little bit about the history of, you know, how you guys met and, and how, how long, long you guys have been together and that whole thing. Um, okay, I'll go first. Um, I was born and raised here in uh, Tucson, Arizona, and um, work in cancer research. Um, I've been doing that for over 21 years now. And um, Brian and I went to the same high school but didn't know each other at the time, Um, didn't meet until I was in my sophomore year or freshman year of college, sophomore year. and then we were friends for quite some time before we actually started dating. Um, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was persistent. Yeah. 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 So you guys were around 20, 20 years old then when you met. I right? was 19. He was 21. Okay. Yeah. And then we got married two years later, basically. Okay. So early 20s. Yeah. Very young. Don't do that. <laughs> So I'm also a, a native, and Jamie's kind of told you our story. But uh, after high school, I started a career in the fire service at a very young age, started at 19. 19, wow. And spent almost 25 years there um, before uh, needing to make a change for okay. you know my own personal uh, mental health mainly, um, uh, but also – relationship health, the health of relationships with Jamie and with the family and have since transitioned to, uh, to a new career, which is going quite well. Oh, great. So, so you guys weren't necessarily high school sweethearts. Uh, you knew each other since high school, but you, you really got together relatively early, right? In your, your early twenties. Yeah, actually I don't, we didn't know each other in high school. We had a mutual friend, um, but didn't meet until we were both out of high school. Um, but yes. So overall, you guys have been married then for how long? Doing doing the math. <laughs> twenty <laughs> December will or, yeah December will be twenty four years. Goodness wow. me, that we, is amazing. We got married at twenty three and twenty one yeah. respectively, which has worked out. So far, but yeah. probably not something that we would recommend to Definitely others. Definitely would not or, recommend to others. Or <laughs> it's, for our own children. It's and always that's what so, this podcast is about. Do not get married yeah. in your early 20s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always so interesting, though, when, you know, because we've worked with a lot of couples over the years that are have been together since they were, you know, young adults, we'll say, you know, and going through all of those developmental stages together is really wonderful because you've probably seen each other literally grow up, but also challenging, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, especially, 
you know, if you happen to grow in maybe different directions, um, it's incredibly challenging. And thankfully, we've developed many common interests over the years, which I think really helps in our relationship. Yeah. Can you tell us just a little bit about like what drew you to one another? Like what what, what was it originally that, you know, kind of kind of pulled you guys into a loving relationship? I'll let Brian go first. <laughs> uh, well, I, I can go first because I think that I was the the one that was initially uh, attracted to Jamie. And when we met, like I said, we met through mutual friends and it was in a social situation where there was a bunch of girls and a bunch of guys. And I was just drawn to Jamie because of her personality, her smile, her mm-hmm. laugh, you know, and she's smart. She's funny. You know, and so when we first met, and she had a boyfriend at the time, but I was still persistent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was a whole kitten caboodle. <laughs> yeah. What was it about Brian, Jamie? Um, well, when we first met, like, we're both kind of old souls. Yeah. And so it felt like talking to an adult, like someone who was more mature and also really kind. He was a lot of fun, joked around, and he was so, like, he just had it together. Like, he was already doing what he wanted to do in life, and that was so admirable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a lot of, like, 19, 20, 21-year-olds who have found their career. No. <laughs> and you liked that? What? I did. I yeah. think, I, you know, based on family history, I think the stability was very attractive to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what were the early years of your relationship like? How long before you guys had kids? I know because you guys have a few kids. Um, So we dated for the two years before we got married. And then we were married for three years before we had our first daughter, who's now 20, almost 21. And then our son is almost 18. Um, So we had, and one of the first things that we found that we both really loved was traveling. And so even though we didn't have a whole lot of money, we still traveled and had fun and camping, hiking, yeah, road trips. That's what yeah. it, that's what it that yeah. down to is is where where could we afford to go? We stayed in some Motel you know, Six. Motel Six. I mean <laughs> yeah. not not to not to paint that no. that brand in a they're nicer. In they're a, definitely nicer now. <laughs> in in any kind of derogatory no, way. But um, let's just say some more inexpensive. Yeah. <laughs> hotels that maybe were not the highest quality. Did you guys notice, um, like, what changed after your daughter was born? Uh, um, well, for me, I it was, I definitely, looking back, definitely had some postpartum issues with her. Um, so I think it felt like a huge obligation suddenly. and And also the realization of, like, all the scary things in the world that maybe didn't bother me before. And now mm-hmm. having a newborn um, just opened your eyes to those threats, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I had had a lot of experience with babies and young kids. Um, I babysat a lot. I'm, I have a lot of younger cousins. Um, so I was very comfortable with mm-hmm. that stage and... Brian, I know, was not at all. Like, he had really had yeah. no experience. And um, it was awesome to see how easily he picked it up. And I knew that would be the case. Yeah, yeah she's right. That was the exact opposite. Not 
I have a younger sister, but she's five years younger. So, yeah. I mean, not did not have the opportunity in my life to be around babies or little kids in any way. And I think as maybe as a, as a male just wasn't, wasn't drawn to that. And so when Madison was born, I, I said at the time, like it, it turned my world upside down. Yeah. Like I just didn't first time changing a diaper, feeding mm-hmm. a baby, every one of those things. Wow. But also I agree with what Jamie said is that all of a sudden the realization of these things that happen in the world and my, my world at that time was the fire department where you're exposed to and deal with all of the worst tragedies that happen in life in every community everywhere, yeah. I mean, including SIDS, yeah. including yeah. drownings, including, yeah. you know, violence and car accidents and and was dealing with that on a regular, I mean, on a almost daily basis. And so yeah, I mean, this is a this is a big part of your you guys' story, right? And I think it's one of the one of the primary reasons we want to have you in here because we've we work with so many first responders, uh, military, you know, people who who deal with some of the darker aspects of life, and and see the impact it has on relationships. I mean, for each of you, when when did it start to become apparent that your career was impacting, you know, you as individuals and you as a couple? Hmm. Looking back on it now, I would say that I was feeling it when the kids were toddlers, like young. So just eight years in or so, yeah. maybe a little bit less than that. And, and looking back on it, I would agree with that now. At, yeah. the, at the time, I didn't see it, yeah. didn't, didn't recognize it. But looking back, I can see... I can remember outbursts of anger that that, that wasn't an appropriate reaction for the time, right? Yeah. And so and it wasn't a, like a normal response that you had had before. And mm-hmm. help us understand that better, Brian, because that, that that's a huge thing for for couples to get, right? Like, what exactly are you talking about there? Like one example I can think of was like dealing with a, a stroller, like one of those folding type, you know, I don't know what they're like now, but sure. at the time we had these they're still very mul- complicated. multi-function <laughs> car seat stroller combinations and things. And something had happened where, and I think it was Madison, and so she was probably, you know, maybe four or five, and something happened and her hand got pinched in it, and I was trying to get it apart. And I got her loose, but then I was so angry with the thing that I just picked it up and slammed it on the ground. And I was mm-hmm. just like, and at the time, it was just the normal, like what Tara would, would yeah. describe as the reptilian response or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, but I look back on it and say, that was that was not an appropriate reaction. And why, why did that happen? And mm-hmm. that... But then over the years, I mean, I would say that it was a few years later where Jamie started to call me out on some of the things and and told me that something's not right. You are not the same. Yeah. And I denied it. I said, "Look at us. We're fine. You know, everything is good. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're successful. We get the kids. Everything is great. Everything is fine." I and I still think back like I must have said, "It's fine. We're fine." Thousands of times. Yeah. And uh I mean, looking back on it, it it clearly wasn't. Yeah. What were you noticing and seeing, Jamie? Um, yeah, the the irritability that I hadn't seen before definitely was probably the 
biggest, most obvious one. Um, I was just thinking that the other one that I recall and probably the one that I remember being first is noticing, like feeling like he was so wrapped up in work and so focused on, I mean, he has an incredible work ethic to his detriment sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And feeling like he just didn't see me anymore. Like I was just there to help make, you know, the home stuff go well. I mean, and it wasn't that he wasn't loving necessarily, but he just, he just felt like he didn't see me. Yeah. Just felt really disconnected, and you yeah. felt a little alone in the in the intimate connection. Very, yeah. Okay. And how did and how did you respond? What was your? Because a lot of times we we adapt to situations, but we, sometimes we adapt in maladaptive ways, right? Yes. Yeah. How did how did you adapt to that disconnect that you were feeling? Well, I definitely distanced myself as well, feeling like hey, maybe he's just, like, not as interested anymore. Um, and then also kind of worked on myself and found that, like, I was getting attention outside of, from other males, like, you know, just looks or comments or whatever. And that was kind of filling that void at the time. Um, I didn't act on it, but it definitely made me feel better like well hey at least someone sees me yeah. someone notices me you were you were feeling really invisible with Brian and then just any external you know attention felt yes. like okay i'm visible i'm yeah. still here yes yeah okay. exactly yeah. i'm not just a mom i'm not just a mom yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so do we want to start talking about just some of the struggles that brought you guys in to see us a few years ago? Like, what were some of the struggles that you guys were facing that kind of led you to say, hey, we need to go to couples counseling? Um, well, it was a crisis. Um, when we called you guys, um, we basically the the turning point was um, finding out about the affair. Um, and that became an immediate I was I was willing and ready to just leave, um, and Brian did not want that to happen. Um, and so, you know, it, it was obvious. Like, there was no choice. We had to see somebody. We had to get help. Yeah. Were there warning signs that, that you were, that the two of you, like, you know, were missing? Like, what what was going on before the crisis? I knew, I knew something was wrong, and I had even asked him about it. And of course he denied it. Um, it was, you know, noticing that he was on his phone all the time. And, um, we hardly even touched. Um, we were so distant and disconnected. We were totally operating like roommates at the house. Um, and both of us just kind of being numb, like we knew we were numb. And the people, the only people that I found joy around were my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. So I kind of gravitated towards them and started spending more time with them and found myself talking about day-to-day things with them and really not talking to Brian at all. And we had seen a counselor prior. Um, she ended up having a health emergency or something. So that's why we we stopped seeing her. But um, we were seeing her actually while the affair was going on now, now that I know when it started. Um, and 
definitely weren't getting what we needed there. Yeah. 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 Um, no, no offense to her. Um, yeah. well, first of all, I mean, I think it's important for us to just acknowledge, like, for you guys, this is a really brave thing to come in here. Absolutely. And talk about this because, you know, who, who is willing, you know, to do that? Yet, as you guys said before we started this interview, there's so many people who, who go through similar uh, circumstances. And, and to have you guys be willing to sort of open up and talk about the process and, and, and how you, you made your way through it, I think offers the opportunity for people to, to have some hope, you know, that they, yes. can, that they can heal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And, and just the process of it. Like I know that when we're working with couples and dealing with betrayal or infidelity, they just feel so hopeless, so powerless and they don't think it'll ever change or get better. And so, yes, thank yeah. you guys for being on here to share your story. Yeah, I mean, Brian, so I don't think like oftentimes you, the person who's in your circumstances voice is heard. Like I think that, that because there's so much like sort of shame and just sort of, you know, just sort of trying to get through it that I think it'd be like super useful for somebody to hear like what was going on, you know, what was going on for you in that time period? Well, one thing that I, I think that I would really like to to share for you know people that are listening to this, you know, is right around the same time that I was diagnosed with uh, severe depression and post traumatic stress disorder, and that I mean I don't know if that's been clear up to this point, but um, and the thing I want to share with those those folks that might be in the fire service or law enforcement or military is with post-traumatic stress, it can happen from one severe event, you know, one Mm -hmm. mass shooting or something like that. But for many of us that are in this, in that line of work, it's not the one thing it's the day after day, after day, after day. And I worked in some firehouses that would, we would run up to 20 calls a day. And you are literally being exposed to trauma, death, violence every single day at work. And so it's not the acute event. It's not the one event, but it's the chronic exposure. Exposure, yeah. You know, where you're doing this day after day after day. And so it creeps up on you in such a gradual way to the point where it's not like you're waking up one day and you've got the flu and you realize, I'm sick. The progression of it is so gradual that you don't see, you don't feel it happening. And then Jamie's calling me out saying, you're not the same. And I'm saying, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. You don't, you're totally disconnected. Yeah. You're totally disconnected. And, And Jamie's right that I was so wrapped up in it. I was so focused on it because there's so many risks associated there to yourself and the other people that you're working with and that you want to make sure that you're doing everything that you can to do your job well, Mm -hmm. to save lives, to protect property, to protect yourself for your family, that you become obsessed with it, but it's not the healthiest environment. There is not the mental health support there. There certainly wasn't. 20 something years mm-hmm. ago. I know it's increasing and it's getting better all the time. Um, but, and so that disconnect was happening. And 
and I was aware of it. I saw that happening. I saw Jamie going out with friends, and now I'm home alone at with the kids and not getting that same attention and things that you crave and desire. And then all of a sudden there was somebody that was, that was giving me that attention. And I honestly did not seek it out. It happened. It came to me. And then it was all of a sudden, I didn't realize at the time, but it was, oh, I feel better now. And I feel better now because of this, this external attention that I'm getting. And it's, and there's also, there's also this whole, you know, uh, dopamine or whatever, 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 whatever the chemicals in the brain are that in the fire service, it, you are so, you're so chronically exposed to this in that every day at work, you're going to a car accident, you're going to a fire, you're going to a heart attack, you're going to this, you're going to that, and you're getting this dump of adrenaline, dopamine, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I even remember telling Jamie at one point, like, I don't have any skills in life. The only thing that I can do is stand in a burning building and not freak out because yeah. that's where my brain functioned. functioned. Yeah. And I noticed that when I wasn't there, that I had an inattention. Yeah. Like, and then all of a sudden it was this external source, giving me attention, makes me feel good. But also there was this risk about it that I recognize now wow. that made me feel like I'm functioning. I'm, I'm, no, I'm normal yeah. now. Yeah. So when, when we met you guys, I mean, at that point, I, I, I remember looking at you, Brian, and, and you looked like you had been shell-shocked again, right, by the affair coming out. But prior to it coming out, how were you able, because I think it's another thing that people don't understand is like, how were you able to sort of function in that sort of dual life, right? I wouldn't describe it as functioning. I would describe it as as just trying to, it was like every day I was just trying to survive, just trying to get through. Yeah. And and, and I also was drinking heavily at the time, you know, and- it's almost like in your personal life, you you reproduce that high state of stress that you were doing at work. Yep, and so exactly. If anything, maybe it felt balanced and sort of in line with everything else. Yeah. So what happened, you know, that th- those first few, you know, people come into couples counseling um, a lot of times in a state of crisis, Right. And we can't even get into the work that we did with you guys over the long term until until we sort of create stabilization is what we call it. Right. So when you guys first came into couples counseling with us, like, what do you remember about like, how do you get through the initial trauma? Because I think that's what a lot of couples can't get through is that first chunk where it's just it's just hell. Right. And still like in in shock somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I need a distance. So, um, we, like, you know, I made him move out of the room. I considered going somewhere else or making him. Actually, there was at least one point where I made him go somewhere else. Um, I just needed to feel safe in my space. Um, so the immediate for me to take care of myself was um, creating that distance and then really leaning on my support. So um, my mom, my friends, um, my friends were just so, 
thank God for them. Um, And they knew us. They knew both of us so well. And they all said, like, this is not Brian. This is, we don't know. And they had made comments about that prior to that point. Um, Like he was saying, you know, he he didn't see it, but other people could see his reactions to things were inappropriate. Like we went out, and I remember one point with friends, and I lost my debit card, and he just started yelling at me in public, which is like never happened. Like never. He that's not something he would have ever done. And they were just like, "What is wrong with Brian? What is going on?" And I said. I know I've been saying something is wrong and he's not listening. And by having them there to kind of mirror, like say, you're right, something is wrong. You're not crazy. And and then also because they loved him and they knew him so well, yeah. they weren't like, oh, you, you know, you need to leave him. It was they were truly Concerned. Concerned for both of us, really. And that was not in his character. And they just, they knew it. And they knew it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at that point, you know, I I knew he had PTSD because he'd already been um, diagnosed with that. But I think once that initial crisis uh, calmed down, and also I think one of the things we learned from you guys was really important was the respect, still trying to show respect. Um, I will admit that in the bombshell moments, I could not and did not um, do that. And I regret those moments. Um, But after those bombshell moments, you know, dealing with each other in those first couple of weeks, um, remembering, like, I did love him. I have loved him. Like, he's still there somewhere. Just gotta um, find him. Yeah, and, and and the fact that he was so desperate to work on it, yeah. he really showed that he wanted to do the work. Yeah. Why was that, Brian? Like, why why didn't you just continue on the path you were on? Like, what shifted? It was a realization. It was you know an epiphany moment of yeah, this isn't right, you know, in that, and you guys know that I was also seeing a, a personal therapist mm-hmm. who specialized with working with veterans and, and it was sitting with her and, and her saying, okay, well, these are the things that we're going to do. And one of the first things they, that she did was we're going to test you for bipolar disorder. And I was like, oh my God, that's what this is. Mm. And I was just freaked out. But at the same time, I was like, I need help. I need someone to tell me what's wrong with me and what do I need to do to get better, you know? And so fortunately, you know, in my case, it wasn't a bipolar situation, but when she started giving me the test for post-traumatic stress, where they're asking you a series of questions, I just started crying. I just started crying because it was off the chart, everything she said. And I was just like, yep, 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 yep. Did it feel like in that moment, just like, oh my gosh, okay, like, and I, and it was, isn't it? It was an acceptance of yeah. that and saying, okay, I need to get better. I mean, I know, like, in my heart, I love my wife. I knew then, I knew all along, I knew through the affair. I, I through the affair, I never thought I'm going to leave my wife. I love my children, I love my family, and I want to get better. And fortunately, I mean, it was, 
not something I wanted to do at the time, but fortunately for me, I was at a point in my career where I could retire. I could take a leave and I should have done it before. I should have done it six months before or maybe a year before um, that the therapist that I was seeing was, you know, basically begging me to take a leave of absence. Um, she, and she told me, it's like, you need to take a leave. You need to get space from this. Yeah. You need to take a leave of absence. And I just said, I can't do it. I've got a mortgage. I got a family. I got yeah. bills. This is my job. I have to keep doing it. And I didn't until things got to the crisis. Yeah. And then it was, okay, if things are going to get better, I've got to change things yeah. completely. Yeah. It's interesting. Both of you guys in your response was space that both of you found, you know, that Jamie, you needed a little bit of space from Brian to kind of, and to get the support you needed. And and then Brian, you needed space from, from work and to take a look inward. And I know one of the things that we like just completely respected about you. And I know it was why you got, one of the reasons why you guys were able to make it through this is that you guys were dedicated to self-growth. I mean, that you guys took it on that you guys did your individual therapy, you showed up session after session. Those first sessions with you guys, they were tough. I mean, they, <laughs> th that was hard for you guys, for you guys to go through. What was useful about getting the individual counseling while doing couples counseling? Well, because I mean, I, we're both dealing with our own independent issues. I mean, me in particular, that, that a lot of the things that I was dealing with didn't have to do with Jamie or our relationship. It was about me learning, learning the skills to be able to recognize and deal with the symptoms that were related with the, the post-traumatic stress. And I mean, one of the things that I got from EJ and still think of, you know, to this day is recognizing the emotions that you're having at the time mm -hmm. and taking a second to EJ's words to sit with it and recognize it. And that's something mean, something that was I found, you know, sad but also humorous is when I was going with my own therapist, is her giving me a a wheel of emotions and it had a, like a center circle and outer circles and all these different things. And her saying, How are you feeling now? Think about this. And giving giving me a copy to take with me and and me having this epiphany of I haven't realized that I've had emotions in wow. so many years yeah. that to be able to think about it, recognize yeah. it, accept it, that it's normal and and given the tools to to deal with it personally, individually. And then for me to be able to come to the sessions with Jamie and just progressively be a more functional partner. More yeah. present, holding space, because I know for Jamie, it was like every hour could be different in the first few months, right? Yeah. And, and if Brian wasn't able to hold that space and he was, you know, there's no way you guys could have gotten through what you guys did. No. And, and it, I just want to note that at the same time, my stepfather was, um, had just been diagnosed with a metastatic brain tumor from oh. his... Um, lymphoma. And so that happened in October. And then our crisis happened right after Thanksgiving that year. Um, and so me having my own therapist um, helped me 
to recognize what I needed to do for my own self-care because it was so critical at the time. And that feeling of being disconnected and like floating and numb and just wanting to be anywhere but here um, on an almost constant basis and, you know, learning the like meditation and learning, um, like Brian said, you know, recognizing how you're feeling and then a lot of the work for me was, you know, using the five senses, like, to bring myself back into my body, um, to rinse my hands under really hot water so that I could feel that I'm here. Um, and everything, you know, you learn these techniques through, um, like, learning meditation and mindfulness, um, and that definitely, I mean, that definitely got me through. Right. I remember one of our kind of narratives for you guys was, um, we don't know what's going to happen. We can't predict what's going to happen. We can't control how the other person reacts or doesn't react, but how can you be a kind, best version of yourself in a really difficult, difficult, difficult time, not only because of the affair, but also because of your stepdad Mm -hmm. being diagnosed with that. I mean, it's like a double whammy for you Mm -hmm. all at once. Yeah. How are you doing? (laughs) I know when I think about him I still miss him so much he was a very bright light in your life and for many people do you think that happening somewhat close together brought you guys together in in some ways or did it make it harder like how do you how do you make sense of how you dealt with such i mean you both loved i mean brian you loved, loved him as well you had an incredible bond with him like how did that affect you guys's process i mean i will tell you that after our crisis at a time when we were very much so at that point not really being able to deal with each other yet as i went to jamie's mom's house Um, And Jamie didn't know I was going there, but I just went to face them, you know, because they knew what was going on. Jamie had told them, and Tony was there. Tony was her stepdad, someone that was basically, you know, her father. And I was, I mean, I was afraid for what I was walking into. I was expecting, you know, anger and a harsh treatment. They weren't like that. They welcomed me in their home. And Tony talked to me and he said, you know, and and this was a second relationship for both Jamie's mom and for Tony. And he told me at that time, he's like, Brian, you know, like the Tony that you know is not the Tony that I've always been. That the Tony that you know is Tony (laughs) 2.0. Now, he was an engineer and and just an amazing personality. Um, But, uh, and that made me realize, and, and I still think about that to this day, like, you can become a better version of of yourself. And so I still think like we would not be where we are today without Jamie's mom and Tony and, and the support that they gave is to say, you know, basically you guys can do this if you want to and you can become a better version of yourself. He kind of opened your eyes up to just the possibility that, like, I can make it through it. I can become a different, you know, a different person in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. and help give me the the support and you know the the confidence to start fresh, to reinvent yeah. myself. And and I and I still think about Tony and think like, 
what a, what an amazing what an amazing man what an amazing role model and what would Tony do in this situation? <laughs> what would Tony you know? do? <laughs> was, was there a point for you guys where it felt like you realized like oh we can we can make it we can get through this? For me, um, I was literally just thinking about you know there was unfortunately the way it kind of all came out it was kind of bombshell after bombshell after bomb so like. One would drop, and then we'd go a week or so, and then another one would drop. And I would just, like, beg, like, please just tell me everything now so we can get it all out in the open. And I don't have to keep having these discovery sessions and Mm -hmm. explosions. And um, after the last one, um, I, again, needed some distance, and I went up to visit my mom at her place up in the mountains, the White Mountains. And we went on a long walk, and, you know, I was just in tears and... She reminded me, she said, you know, think about how many years of investment you have in this relationship and how many of those years have been really good. And are you ready to start over again or, you know, end that um, without really seeing it through and seeing if you can do this work and make it work and and she made me realize just how strong our foundation really was. Um, we really were best friends. We were like from almost the minute we met. And it made me realize, okay, you know, yeah, this is really crappy and awful and totally messed up the what has happened. Um, but there are reasons for it. And I'm not completely not at fault. I had my own, you know, part in it, um, in my disconnection and my numbing of myself as well. And so it just made me realize that we had something that was worth working on. And that's, you know, one of the biggest things we try to really help couples understand it's not just one person or one person's fault. It's a system. And the system starts to very much work unconsciously, right? It's not like you guys are like, oh, this is what's going to happen in our relationship and we're going to disconnect. And so it's just like it's a, a symptom of what's going on in the system. And if we can help you guys understand that and build resilience so that that system constantly functions in a conscious, intentional mm-hmm. way instead of gets trapped in this Again, yeah. process where all these toxic things can start happening. Yeah, I think it's a it's a big shift for couples in the work when they move out of the symptom that brought them there. And people come to counseling for for many reasons. This is just one of them. And there's all this focus on healing from that one wound. And then they they move into that next phase of like, okay, like what was happening? What are the things in our relationship that are that are not flowing in a way that keep us connected, mm-hmm. that allow us to deal with really difficult things together, to resolve conflict in healthy ways? You know, and so so when you guys begin to go underneath the hood in that way and begin to look at your your system, what did you discover? I think um, we created an environment that it was a vicious cycle of, you know, disconnection and numbing and not wanting to deal with things. And 
Um, it just kept happening and it got deeper and deeper and more and more toxic. So that environment that we both created led us to the symptom, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would agree exactly, almost verbatim. Yeah. And and wanting to, like, just knowing how miserable we were. Like, we were both so miserable and understanding I can't live in that environment. He knew he couldn't live in that environment. So we had to do something to change that. Like, neither one of us wanted to live that way. But also I realized, like, this was like the end. I mean, you know, maybe it was a couple of years where it got pretty bad. But before that... It was really good, yeah. you know, and t- especially times when our kids were, you know, really young and growing up. Like, and I feel bad for my kids having to live through this, but also I hope that they see the example of Absolutely. of what we went through because they know, you know, they know what happened. They know that we went to therapy, and you know, individually, they know we went to counseling. They know. We went to a, a retreat together. Like, they know we did this, and and I hope that they see where we're at now. Yeah. I think that's so huge, especially, like, when kids are involved, that, like, hey, when things get difficult, like, we can handle it and we can get through it because we believe in our relationship and our family. In ourselves. In yeah. ourselves. Yeah. So, so help people understand what's on the other side. You know, that you guys went through this incredibly difficult time. You worked very hard to grow as individuals, to repair your relationship. And what's the fruits of all that labor? Oh, man, for me, I feel like I know myself now. Like, I'm almost 45. <laughs> um, I feel like I have dug so deep that I understand I have an understanding of myself and why I've done the things I've done and how to not keep doing those things. Um, You know, what I was doing wasn't making me happy. And now I, I, I feel more comfortable with myself. I can approach horrible things and know that I can get through it. Yeah. Um, It's learning resilience. Like I am resilient. I am, I'm worthy. I'm, yeah. I can handle this. Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree with those things as well. I mean, I have felt for a long time like that I was somebody that was comfortable in my own skin, but even more so now that I recognize even more some of my flaws, you know, but, but I've gained the tools through, through some professional help to deal with that stuff. And for, us to to deal with each other as partners to to have the communication we need to stay connected but what's on the other side is it's more happiness you know and we just we just had a trip together last month for the first time that we've traveled alone <laughs> um, just the two of us without kids and I'm not sure how many years well covid was part of that problem. and covid and covid was a little bit was a little bit of that but uh so we went down to Costa Rica for for a few days oh, and our honeymoon spot. <laughs> and we had an amazing trip together and like that's we have that connection but even but when you get that space from work and kids mm-hmm. and life that you realize even more 
that you have that friendship. You still like each other. We still like each other. We still <laughs> we have, like we you. have fun with each other. <laughs> we have fun with each other, you know, and and we had a great trip. I mean, you know, we're down there for I don't know how it was four or five days or something, and just just amazing. Just and, felt that deep connection together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many couples that don't believe me when I say, you know what, this happened for a reason. And if you guys do this work, you will come out feeling more deeply connected than you could have ever imagined. They're like, yeah. there's no way. But like, I mean, you guys are kind of a source for that. Like, what would you guys tell couples that are kind of struggling with the same dynamics and feeling powerless, disempowered? I would tell them that that I can't imagine how you can do it on your own, you know, to have to have first someone that's that's independent to speak with, but also that's a professional that they, they've helped others that they know so much and can help you. They can help be your guide, you know, through, through this stuff. And that, and that, I mean, hard to imagine, you know, being much worse place than where we were at, you know, I mean, the time that she was saying that she, you know, went up to her, went up to the mountains to stay with their mom. Like I, I thought at that point that was, that was the the depth of my despair. Is she left? She tried to take both the kids with her. One of them revolted on her. Um, <laughs> our daughter and I. It was and, their plan. They purposely split up to keep an eye on yeah, both of they, us. They they plotted Care against. Taking. <laughs> they plotted against Jamie and said nobody stays alone this weekend. She didn't. Wow. She didn't leave me alone. Wow. And if she did, I'm not sure what would happen that weekend because I was. I was at the depth of my of my pit, yeah. and um, and I can't imagine things being m- much worse. They don't get much worse than where I was at that moment. And that you can climb out. I think, and, and it'll be. And if you have help, it'll be a lot easier. Well, it helps you kind of get out of that own narrative to have someone who's objective yes. and sit in those uncomfortable moments. I mean, I remember many times yes. we just. We've just let you guys be angry and sad and shocked and betrayed and shamed and and it was all okay. It was a process, right? Yeah. And I think one of the really important things I've learned that I've always had an issue with that vulnerability and how important it is to be open to being vulnerable to your partner. It's critical. And of course, in those moments when you feel that anger and you're just done, you feel so done, um, to have that help, to have the the people there to guide you through those moments in a safe space where you're required to be vulnerable. Um, and it, it's the only way you make breakthroughs, really. You can't, you can't do it without opening yourself up. And, and yes, maybe you're putting, you are putting yourself at risk, For but sure. what do you have to lose? Exactly. Yeah. And what would you tell couples about the process? Because I think when we, when I worked with some couples around infidelity, they just want it to be over. They want the feelings to go away. They were like, oh. okay, how lo- how much? Uh, it's been two months, Tara. Like, what's no. going on? I still feel awful. So that's one thing. I I still have times. I still have intrusive thoughts. Um, I don't know why. Sometimes, sometimes I do know why. Like, mm-hmm. there's something that triggers it. Um, and I can now tell Brian when I have those, when I'm having those dreams, when that happens, like I tell him, hey, I had a dream last night again. And he is not 
in any way defensive about it. Like, yeah. he knows this might happen for the rest of our marriage. We don't know. It doesn't end. Right. But I don't carry that anger yeah. that I had. And the resentment is not nearly what it was. You know, it's probably still going to take time. It's been four years now almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay to not be okay. And it's as long as you are communicating and they know maybe why you're a little more distant that day or maybe why you're a little quiet and maybe you want to sit on the other couch. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's important to let each other know those things. Um, and we wouldn't have those tools if we hadn't gone through this. Yeah. To understand how we need to communicate with each other and check in. Those check-ins. Check-ins. We just had a check-in this morning, something Aww. that's been bugging me all week that I've just lost so much sleep over. And we had a check-in this morning, and it it's an instant relief. And, like, we learned that tool from going through this. Yeah. From you guys. Yeah, from so you. What, so what I'm hearing, <laughs> we love our check-ins. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm hearing is, like, it's a process, oh, that yeah. it takes time. That if you're committed to individual and relationship growth, that really you can feel better and more freedom within the relationship, even if you're not okay, it's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Like like I've thought like comparing it to like a physical injury, what we experienced and caused to each other was like mental injuries or emotional injuries. Yeah. And that if you fall down and you scratch your knee... You know, maybe you're bleeding a little bit. Maybe you can put a Band-Aid on it. But this is not a minor emotional injury. It's going to take time to heal. Wow, right? I this love is, that. This is a Thank pretty, you, for that visual. you know, like if, if you had a severe physical injury, if you broke your leg, you know, like you'd go see a doctor and they'd help you fix it and it would still take time right. to heal. And you might even still feel... You know the the effects yeah. of, a, of a broken broken leg, like a little arthritis. Y- years fifteen later. years later, right? right? It's still there. It's still there. Little yeah. creaks in the bone. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, and I know, I mean, you guys can relate to that. And and so, when Jamie has those moments, like I want, like I, and that's part of our check ins. That's part of our communication. Is I want her to tell me, yeah. and because I want to feel comfortable. Because I, well, I don't have that. I still have. The times when, like, all night I'm dreaming, I still work for the fire department. Like, and I've had that recently yeah. where, where I'm working both jobs. I have this dream where I'm working <laughs> both jobs. I'm still at the fire department and I'm trying to manage my business. Yeah. And like, I'm up all night running calls and, and I want to yeah. be able to tell Jamie about that and say, yeah. like, yeah. I'm still not away from this. One thing that I noticed. Brian, when you were kind of going through your own individual work and even within the relationship, like you working through your shame is what allowed you to be more present for Jamie. Because in the beginning, it was like, oh, every time she would get sad or mad, like you just went to that shame place, that shame place, and just you felt kind of defeated. Remember, I remember just like you looking down and, and then when you kept doing that work to get out of that shame place and kind of be that safe support for Jamie during her, I mean, that was like a huge game changer. I remember that. Yeah. And all I can say is, is that's, that's true. I mean, because I mean, it was, this was a, 
the spotlight was shined on me and revealed that I behaved in a way that I'd never have in my life mm-hmm. and and painted me as a person that I didn't think that I was. And that's hard, you know, but and it it takes time. Yeah. And you know, like uh, honestly, it's another thing. It's not it's not completely gone. Right. But you know, but we can we can talk about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I know that both of us are just in, incredibly appreciative of one your willingness to come down here to, today and to talk about this, but but also, I mean, seeing you guys journey and then talking to you again today, I mean, this is exactly why <laughs> why we why we got into doing this, why we we started you know this company, the, these programs is it's just an incredible thing to see a couple go, go through a really difficult time and then make fundamental shifts in their personal wellness, grow together, have a relationship that's even more strong, even more resilient. You know, it's just, uh, it's really gratifying on, on, on our side to, to just see, see it happen, you know? So, so thank you guys for, you know, for, for trusting us, you know, back then and, and for trusting us today to come in here and talk about this. Well, we wouldn't be here together if you weren't <laughs> there for us. So yeah. there's well, zero, zero um, doubt about I that. I feel very um, thankful that you guys trusted us in supporting you through those difficult times. And I know they're still difficult, but, um, and it's so funny because sometimes like I just, Tony, <laughs> sometimes I'll just like come up. It just seems like little whatever. It's so funny. Four yeah. years ago. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Brian and Jamie. And, uh, yes, thank you guys. And yeah, uh, as always, you know, we're always very interested to hear any, any questions or any show ideas um, those of you listening would like to, uh, like to offer to us. You can always email us at info at he said, she said counseling. You can reach out via the, our social media at Instagram. We are relationship underscore renovation. Um, at Facebook, we are at he said, she said couples. And we also have our online program that we always want you guys to, to check out. We've gotten a lot of great feedback about it. It's a 22 lesson video and, um, and like worksheets and just a great way for couples at home. You can check that out at relationshiprenovationcenters.com. Uh, backslash checkout. So take care of yourselves. Yeah. Thank you guys again. Take thank care you. Of thank you. Each other. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the same. Me and you have all the fame we need. Indeed, you and me are we. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.